You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. I was already torn about where this series was going to go. And as we get ready for game one of the Eastern Conference Finals, it's looking a little bit easier, maybe, to make a pick at least for tonight with a fatigued Celtics team coming in now without two very important players. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80, ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. And we are here for just one hour, a power hour, Woo! getting you ready for game one in Miami. And it's time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. The Straight Talk came about an hour ago, Fitz, when the Celtics announced that Al Horford and Marcus Smart are out. Al Horford, the surprise here in the health and safety protocols, already tested positive for COVID during the preseason and was in the protocols again in December. He's back in it now and could be out through game two on Thursday as well. Smart had that midfoot sprain that he suffered in their game seven win over the Bucks. They thought he might be able to treat it enough to come back, but he's out as well, and that is huge, Fitz. Yeah, I feel like when you're talking about a team that's coming off of a very physical demanding series against the Bucks that went seven games. We're already wondering what fatigue is going to look like, and now they're going to be two guys short on the rotation. It's simple to say, hey, they can figure it out, but that's harder to actually execute. And then when you look at what Horford has meant at times defensively throughout the course of this playoff, I just think it sets them back yet another step in what's going to be a difficult matchup anyway. Like I, for, I felt yesterday torn on this series and what was going to happen, but I felt like we also saw the Celtics rise above the Bucks and figure out everything along the way. That becomes much more difficult now when they're taking on a Heat team that on paper has a ton of depth, that on paper looks like they can be more physical, and on paper looks like they could be better than the Celtics. So this this series got much more difficult, and I feel far worse about my pick today than I did yesterday. <laughs> well, it is a home game for the Heat. They, in theory, are the top seed, but they are not the favorite in this series, at least according to Vegas, who continues, along with many others, perhaps, to overlook Miami. Brian Windhorst would never do such a thing. Our ESPN NBA reporter was on SportsCenter just now talking about Al Horford's injury and what it means for Boston. This is a, a late surprise and not in a good way. Uh, you know, several support staff members in the Boston Celtics have tested positive for COVID over the last week. The team was being diligent, and you have to. We can't assume that Horford has tested positive, but if he has tested positive, and that is why he's in the protocols, he is looking at missing likely multiple games. So, in addition to dealing with the, the quick loss tonight, this could affect the entire Eastern Conference Finals. First of all, I'd like to commend him for pulling a Jason Fitz and inventing a new word. I believe it was a combination of vigilant and diligent. Vigilant. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. uh, and that is obviously what they're being. They're being both diligent and vigilant in their attempts to prevent a larger spread. But didn't work as far as Al Horford's concerned. He is out. And, you know, Fitz, Brian Windhorst was talking already, and you mentioned this. This is a fatigued team coming off of a hard-fought seven-game series, physically demanding series, getting beat over and over by Giannis they win the series but they come in on less rest than a Miami team that just didn't get bodied around the same way in their series with the 76ers now this was before Brian knew that Horford and Smart were out and he still had something to say about the fatigue that we could see from the Celtics in game one tonight since the Heat last played a game the Celtics have played 
three games in three different cities. So this is a, a significant rest difference. I think you really saw it with a guy like Al Horford, 35 years old, scored 30 points in game four when he played 42 minutes. Over the last three games of the, the series against the Bucks, he only averaged five points. So considering the fact that the Celtics were already going to be down a man possibly, only usually have about a seven-and-a-half-man rotation, and have such a huge rest and travel disadvantage, about whether that will be a factor, especially as tonight's game gets into the second half. All, all I'm hearing here, Sarah, is that when we go to break, I'm going to need to pull out my app and maybe start putting that cash no, out. Like, you know what? No, this is the Fitz. temptation that's coming. I was, I was confident in Boston last night. Now I'm sitting there saying, hey, the odds are pretty good on, on Miami. Like, you know, <sighs> payouts pretty good. Like, what's happening to me? What's happening <sighs> to me? I don't know. I, you know, th- there is a. A portion here where I feel like the the rotation is going to be a huge part of as we just heard. And when you talk about worst case scenario, this does feel like worst case scenario. But also to the point that you made a minute ago, this is a game in Miami. This is game one of a long series. And I, I think there's going to be a balance for the Celtics in figuring out how to be. Obviously, you want to put your best for, foot forward. I'm not saying they're going to just sit everybody and relax everybody. But you got to understand coming in that this is a long series. And tonight is not going to win or lose the entirety of the series. So if you're Boston, you're looking at it saying, hey, this might make this game more difficult. But you also have to preserve your legs for the rest of what you know is coming. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. I don't know that you can ever, and I know you said that it's not like they're going to lay down and take it, but I don't think you can go into any game, regardless of personnel, with an expectation of maybe not showing your hand or not pushing enough because you want to save it for later. Look at what we've seen through the course of this NBA postseason already. And it's Spain and Fitz, by the way. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, taking you up to the Eastern Conference Finals. Game 1, Celtics Heat, 8.30 p.m. Eastern start right here on ESPN and ESPN Radio. The, The Grizzlies handed the Warriors their butts without John Morant. 134 to 95. And that was like after it had gotten Mm. cleaned up a little bit. At one point, the Grizzlies were up by 55 in that game. And that's a Warriors team who bounced back to win. You look at what happened with the Suns, who actually fared worse at times with both of their stars and Booker and Paul out there than they did when Booker was out. You know, at any moment during this postseason, we've seen teams be able to give a different look and pivot and change their approach without the players that they most want. And that includes someone like Robert Williams III, who was a huge part of Boston all season long, missed the end of the regular season, missed the beginning of the playoffs after that knee surgery, and still wasn't fully available against Milwaukee. Didn't play in that game seven. Now he's back and and will have some availability and will likely take on a bigger role because of the absence of Horford. Um, but I don't think it's easy, and I wouldn't, if I were you, be pulling out the old wallet, presuming that this was a sure thing tonight. Uh, too late, you know. It, it, look, it's oh, it's it. we got to get wild. We got to go for these things, right? You got to w- get willy nilly. You're right. I, I think one thing though, when you talk about some of those other instances, you're talking about how can a team rebound in a very specific situation. This is this is a Miami team that you could make the argument that they have the better coach. You could make the argument they already had more depth, and now they're taking on a Celtics mm-hmm. team that's coming off of such a such a expenditure of energy. It's just hard for, for one game anyway. I'm not saying that this defines the series, but for one game, I think this puts all of the eggs in the heat basket to turn around and figure out how to win. you got to win this game. Like you, you, Now you have yet another right. advantage. That, that, that it's in their court. It's a big opportunity that the Celtics um, – you know, can spoil 
uh, if they come out tonight and they manage to get things done. And to your point, it's going to be a really interesting series in terms of watching the adjustments made by the coaches. Um, this isn't as, as great as Butler and Tatum can be. This isn't as simple as what we've seen across some of the other series when you've got, say, a Durant or an Embiid or a Giannis out there. This was Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. you got Spain and Fitz, a power hour. Woo. Coming up later, Monica McNutt going to join us from Miami to talk about the series. But our next guest is a Chiefs super fan, an NBA fan, mm. and way funnier than Jason Fitz. Uh, I'll tell you who we're talking about coming up next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. It's Spain and Fitz, power hour here on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. We're taking you right into game one of the Eastern Conference Finals out in Miami. We'll get to Monica McNutt on that game and some of our picks, including a quick look at the NBA draft lottery going on tonight. But first, great guest, friend of the show is back, SNL cast member Heidi Gardner, uh, season finale uh, on Saturday. Also, she's got a new movie out. Heidi, let's talk about the new movie first. Adam Sandler's new Netflix film, Hustle, out June 8th. Uh, I was watching the trailer. Tons of cameos. Uh, what cameo were you most excited about? Was there uh, uh, some of those guys that were actually on set while you were there? I The first day of shooting, I walked out on the set, and Aaron Gordon, Trey Young, Anthony <laughs> Edwards are all just like, Scrimmaging. It was Amazing. the coolest day of my life. <laughs> I mean, we've talked to you before about your football fandom. Where's your level of NBA fandom? I'm. It's through the roof. A hundred million percent. I, I've just like always grown up uh, a huge fan of the NBA. So like when I found out I was going to be in a movie with like my comedy hero and then all my NBA heroes. I mean, then plus it's also like, you know, Dr. J's in it, Kenny Smith, you know, like just for the love of the game, I, my mind was blown. I'm like, what did I do to get here? <laughs> Boban. Everybody loves Boban. Great yes. actor Boban. Oh my God. Boban's got perfect timing. He's so good. Uh, what's yeah. your role in the yeah. movie in, in Hustle? So uh, my dad is played by Robert Duvall, and he's the owner of the 76ers. And so I'm his daughter. Ben Foster's his son. I I would say I'm, like, kind of in the world of, like, a genie bus. Oh, cool. Very cool. Yeah. So so when you're on set with a bunch of NBA guys, what happens more? You asking them NBA stories or them asking you Saturday Night Live stories? Oh my gosh, it was kind of um it was kind of equal parts, but Adam was always really sweet about being like, "Hey, you guys seen that like last dance SNL sketch, you know? That was her." And <laughs> yeah. um so that was neat, but it was cool. Like they quickly learned I they quickly learned I was like I knew my stuff uh NBA wise. I think when I referred to Damian Lillard just as Dame. They were like, oh, yeah. oh, you're not casual okay. about this stuff. I was like, <laughs> oh, no, go. no, no. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, for those who yeah. do not remember or who haven't seen it, the Last Dance SNL sketch uh, with Keegan-Michael Key, uh, Heidi was the security guard who shrugs. Um, it was an <laughs> unexpected casting that absolutely crushed. It was so good. Heidi Gardner from SNL is on with us talking about the new movie Hustle with Adam Sandler coming out June 8th on Netflix and the season finale of SNL on Saturday. 
you've gotten to have a fair amount of athletes uh, who've come in and out to, to either host or just guest on the show. Do you have a memorable interaction with one of the folks that, uh, that, that has come on? Yeah, well, so J.J. Watt hosted um, a couple weeks after the Chiefs had that comeback uh, game against the Texans yeah. in the yeah. first round of the play- playoffs where we came, we were down 21-0. Um, and I didn't want to mention the whole week that, like, I was a Chiefs fan because I was like, <laughs> I, I feel like he'll hate me. And it came out during a rehearsal, like, someone was like, hey, you excited about the Chiefs? Uh, going to the Super Bowl, and I was like, shut up. And then he was like, oh, you're a Chiefs fan, so you were pretty happy a couple weeks ago. Um, so I'll never forget that. And also, he carried around his um, – all the hosts get, like, a binder of all their sketches, and he carried that around like a playbook. Like, I could see him, like, just kind of, like, studying SNL, like he was studying the game. It was, like, That's so great. cool. He crushed it. He was yeah. so good. Yeah. So, uh, Heidi, I, I just think it's interesting because, like, especially in NBA culture, right, current players are constantly compared to previous generations. That's just part of what we all do in media. But that's the same for SNL. Like, it feels like every generation has their favorite generation growing up, and no matter what current cast members do, there's always this massive comparison. Like, how do you guys deal with that, the constant questions about where you are versus some of the legends that have been <laughs> on that stage before? That's such a good question. I mean, I feel like the healthiest thing to do is to not do that. I think you want to do it at first because you just see someone's career and you're like, oh, I want that. And like, oh, like, you know, I'm character so I'm probably like similar to this person. But like once you get here and you're on your journey, you just quickly realize like, oh, they're totally their own thing and I'm completely my own person. And like if I just accept myself, and, like, what I'm doing and the timing of it, like, I think things are going to play out a lot better for me. Um, so, like, it is just kind of letting go of, like, a timeline or what you're supposed to do. You know, it all. You know, it's the comparison game is never a happy game. So, yeah. And that is spoken like a true LeBron James fan because, you know, Eddie Murphy's basically <laughs> Jordan. And then everyone else, it's better suited for them not to compare. Uh, in my in my Completely. humble opinion, Eddie Murphy is Jordan. Everybody else is fantastic in their own special way, but not the GOAT. Uh, speaking of LeBron, yeah. I know you're a Knicks fan in terms of, you know, that's where you live. You sit courtside with your cast members. Uh, I, I believe on Instagram I might have made fun of the Knicks to you. I apologize. That's just a thing I have <laughs> to do. It's part of my identity. Um, but you're also a Lakers fan because you're a LeBron fan. So this season was rough on both accounts how are we handling this yeah it was coast to coast the bi-coastal seasons were <laughs> tough um i expected them to go a lot better but you know i i don't the only thing i'm really disappointed in like for the lakers i'm not disappointed i think they tried something like i love westbrook i love mellow like i mean i I just wish it would have worked out better. Like I am someone who like, I would love Russ to have a ring. I mean, I, I personally believe it might've happened had KD stayed one more year in OKC, but you know, um, everybody's got to do their own thing. So yeah, I was, and I want LeBron to get another one too. So I don't know. It, It was hard, but, but you know, they tried, they tried. 
Do you feel weird, like, after you've sat courtside with the Knicks at the Garden, which is such a elite, oh, my God, one of a life, once-in-a-lifetime experience, do you feel, like, a little weird afterwards when you start donning Lakers stuff after that? Like, is there, like, a, a grace period there? I don't feel weird. To, I mean, I've made this weird rule in my head that since I'm from Kansas City and we haven't had an NBA team, like, since the Kansas City Kings way back when, I'm like, I get to do and like whoever I want at any time. <laughs> and I like, yes, yes. I just, I feel like I'm not lucky enough to have an NBA team. So let me have all the players and whatever team I want at whatever moment I want. So that's, I just that feel like I get familiar actually block. because uh, Jason Fitz here is from Vegas and they didn't have any teams at all. So he hand selected teams around the country for various did, things. I, I and did, now I that did. now that Vegas has teams, he just allows himself hey, I was, to like all I was, of them. I was already He's a Raiders like, fan though, Heidi. It's not too late. Like if yeah, you want to switch yeah, yeah. over and become a Raiders fan, we can do that for you. I can get you some gear. We can get rid of the Chiefs I don't know thing. Why like she'd silver and black a little bit. Oh I mean, my! Yeah, I, I think she's good. I mean, I'm about I'm about to hang up after that <laughs> offer sir no that worth that's a, shot. a big that's a big no hey last question for you <laughs> it's it's the finale of snl and heidi gardner snl cast member uh also part of adam sandler's new netflix film hustle out june 8th uh finale on saturday obviously you're working and excited about natasha leone and japanese breakfast but is there a oh gosh relief like that's such a hard schedule i'm excited for like the off season as it were or do you treat it like oh man like i'm gonna miss i'm gonna miss balling I'm going to miss the energy of, of getting ready for a week. I know that I'll definitely miss the ball in for sure. Like I'm always just in like sketch and character mode. Like I see something and I'm like, Oh, I want to write that person or I want to write that scenario. That being said, for some reason, the last two weeks, like a, a tired and an exhaustion has come over me that like I've <laughs> never felt in my life before. Like the type where you like, I, I get up and I get out of bed and then I immediately lay back down. And so I think my body and my mind is a little bit like, oh, we need a rest Got it. from yeah. kook, kooky comedy sketch <laughs> scenarios for a little bit. <laughs> Good. Good. Take that rest. Yeah. Well, really, really fun season. I think uh, Man Park and uh, Lizzo's Please Don't Destroy are two of my favorites so far from this season. Everything but you guys have had a yeah, that, a ton of hits. It's been super fun. Thanks yeah. so much for joining us. We always love chatting with you. Looking forward to seeing the movie. Thanks, Heidi. Thanks for having me, guys. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs. For protection on the road and on the water, see how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and progressive.com. Coming up, can the Celtics overcome Al Horford being out tonight? We'll ask Monica McNutt when she joins us. It's Spain and Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN app. Spain and Fitz. The podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app at Sirius XM, Channel 80, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. You just heard it in the Sports Center update. It's a power hour, so we're going to get you all kinds of ready for NBA action tonight. The Eastern Conference Finals start tonight. Obviously, that's where all eyes are. So let's get a little expertise right out of the gates. And we get that from the great Monica McNutt, ESPN basketball analyst. You can hear her tonight. Sideline reporting on our broadcast. Uh, don't forget, coverage begins at 8 p.m. Eastern for the Eastern Conference Finals on ESPN Radio. So, Monica, thanks for the time. Always appreciate your expertise and appreciate you hanging out with us. The big news, everybody's talking about Al Horford will not be in this game. He's in the health and safety protocol. So how do the Celtics make up for the absence of Horford? 
Yo, Fitz, um, I've been thinking about that since the news hit. Um, I'm not quite sure how that's going to go. I mean, they obviously go deep into their bench. Um, you think about a guy like Tice, uh, who has some of the size that Horford offers, but it's, it's not even just about his size defending Bam. It's sort of his basketball IQ, his ability to stretch the floor at that position. That's going to be a big deal combined with Smart. And, man, the, and the short turnaround for the Celtics, this is going to be a very interesting game one. Yeah, I mean, thankfully for the Celtics, this is a road game, so if they take an L in part because of those absences and fatigue, at least they're not giving one up at home. This series comes down to me to potentially transition buckets and which team can take advantage of turnovers and second chance because I don't see either team being super successful against the other's half-court offense. It's just very different setups and series than what they saw coming into this. How do you see the biggest attack for either team in taking on uh, what is a top-to-bottom defense on both sides? I think you're, you're spot on, Sarah Spain, NBA basketball analyst. In fact, uh, <laughs> last night I had a blast with this, some of the stats guys kind of really digging into the numbers because obviously Jimmy Butler has been tremendous, right? Almost 30 points a game so far in this playoffs. But when you look into it, he's 51% um, from the field when the possession for the Heat starts off of a defensive rebound. And then mm. when you start breaking down the shot clock, he's significantly better in the first 12 seconds of the shot clock compared to if the shot clock were to wind down to six seconds or less. And so for the mm. Heat, a lot of that is what can our defense generate that can be translated to easier buckets as opposed to coming down and executing in their half-court set. But I will say, when they get to their half-court, compared to the first two teams that Boston has played, they have far more actions to guard, a lot more activity with, in terms of Bam Adebayo, and not just a big force like Giannis coming straight downhill and hoping to go to that kind of mid-post area to work it out. So um, this is going to be really interesting. On the other end, I'm curious to see if the Celtics can remain hot from behind the three-point line because the Heat will let you shoot threes. They're one of the best teams at contesting threes, but will the Celtics make what might be a bad three for another team look like a decent three for them? You mentioned the prior series, and it makes me think about adjustments. Which team has a bigger adjustment from the opponent they just faced to the opponent that they're facing now? Ooh, I love the way you phrase that, Fitz. I think it's going to be Miami um, just because the energy that the Celtics play with. I mean, you could make the case that Miami has had the easiest path here, but, I mean, that's the point of being the number one seed, right? Um, I think it's going to be Miami just because the Celtics came through two battle-tested, grinded-out series. Hmm. That's interesting. So one of the things I was thinking about today was if you are the Celtics team that got used to taking on um, a top-heavy Bucks team where the focus was all Giannis, it's incredibly frustrating, incredibly intimidating. It's a lot of work. He's going to come at you over and over and over again. But it's kind of predictable, particularly with Middleton out. You know they're going to be sending Giannis at you over and over, and he's going to get his. How do you approach a team like the Heat where you can have seven, eight, players in double digits and you don't really know who's going to go off on a given night other than probably Jimmy Butler. Well, okay. So I think it, this has been so fun kind of thinking about what this chess match is going to look like. If I'm the Celtics, you're obviously going to give Jimmy Butler some of the KD treatment, right? You got to mm -hmm. bump him. You got to make him uncomfortable. You can't let him get out ahead of you and transition off of defensive rebounds, right? And he's absolutely the head of the snake. Now, our boy Justin Tinsley has this formula. Your stars get you two. Your role players <laughs> got to get you two. The Heat role players are going to have to absolutely step up. Like, can Max Struess go off from behind the three-point line again? Sure, potentially. Why not? I actually think this series sets up for Bam Adebayo to have a signature playoff mm -hmm. moment, which I don't think that he's had yet. Um, so, yeah, like, I think in terms of the Celtics being battle-tested, you also could argue that that might translate into a little bit of fatigue, especially with the absences mm -hmm. tonight, whereas the Heat, to me, They've just been steady. Like, Jimmy's not going to be rushed. He's going to be steady. They are literally thriving on this heat culture and the fact that Vegas still has them as an underdog in this series. 
I mean, you, you talk about fatigue, and it makes me think short-term, long-term in this series. We're talking to Monica McNutt, you can hear on the call tonight, uh, sideline reporting for us on ESPN Radio. Uh, when you talk about fatigue, for the Celtics particularly, how do you balance knowing that you're coming off short rest and you, you want to get a win with the fact that this could be a long series and you also can't fry everybody out night one trying to get into this thing? I trust Ime Udoka Fitz, and, like, it's crazy because – we forget that we like wanted this team to separate and Jalen and Jason couldn't stay together. And I was fortunate enough to have a couple of the Celtics game earlier in the reg- regular season. And you talk about steady, like Ime is just as cool as the day is long. And he's like, you just got to give it time. And so it's a series for a reason. Um, and then you will obviously acknowledge the absences of Smart and Horford tonight. But I think one thing that I've really enjoyed from Ime is the adjustments that he's made from game to game. And so the chess match of these two coaches that are familiar with one another, Ime talked earlier or yesterday about watching Eric when he was a hooper and kind of just really knowing how much he has poured into the game of basketball. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't take too much from game one either way because the adjustments are going to come. Well, and because of the absences, it's just not a Celtics team without too, Horford yeah. and Smart. Monica McNutt is with us, getting us ready for this game one tonight between the Celtics and the Heat. Uh, you quickly, you mentioned um, Bam potentially going off. There's an interesting dynamic that uh, Scalabrini was talking about on the low post that got me digging into some more on this, that um, Bam and Grant Williams used to play against mm-hmm, each other mm-hmm. in high school, and Grant got the best of him twice, despite Bam being the highly touted blue blood who was recruited to you know, a private school for that. Um, and I wonder if that's going to get you know a, a recently hyped up Grant who got out of his you know out of his shell with that huge performance um, and give him a little reason to keep that kind of high level play up. Uh, well, I'll say this: Grant certainly has a future in television if he wants it. So I haven't heard his <laughs> side, but Bam did address this earlier today during media, and he kind of you know poo pooed it a little bit. He's like, I ain't talking to Grant. Like we're just here to play ball. There's plenty of history there, the high school thing in North Carolina. Then they both go on to SEC schools, Tennessee and Kentucky, respectively. Um, but it doesn't sound, at least on Bam's end, that this is the next chapter of that story. Um, okay. It's very much Miami versus Celtics. It certainly which of course wasn't is what he's going to say. Time. They faced off. Right. Grant wasn't right. much of a factor, but that was pre his breakout moment. So you never know. A hundred percent. Yeah. Hey, Monica, I mean, right. Of course he's going to play it down, but we'll see what happens, y'all. I'll be courtside. I'll let you know what I hear. <laughs> Be- before we let you get out of here, real quick, I-, I love making everybody super smart. So for everybody that's listening, that's going to watch this game and sit around their buddies in the first ten minutes, like what's the one thing everybody can tell their friends they're looking for that's going to make them sound smart when it comes to analyzing this game? Hmm. Um, I, you know, it's not really super analytical fits to me. It's it's really what, what Spain said. To me, it's going to be what are the Heat able to do in transition um, and who is going to help Jason Tatum for the Celtics. I mean, the Heat are going to – look, they switch everything, right? Like, Jimmy's going to be on him. Bam's going to be on him in front. Gabe Vincent, who, while is undersized, is sort of an aggressive defender. Jason's going to have his hands full, and as he continues to pull his chair up to that table of the greats in the league – this is the series where he can make his mark in addition. And if the Heat can get out, if the Heat defense can turn you over, that, that plays right into their hand in terms of what they want to do offensively. See, like she said, just listen to Sarah. And we're, all, we're all smarter when we do. Follow her on <laughs> sure, Twitter, sure. at McNutt Monica. Listen to her tonight on the, on the broadcast. Monica, always appreciate you hanging out with us. Enjoy the game, my friend. Thanks, guys. The NBA playoffs are on ESPN Radio. Tune in tonight. Game one of the Eastern Conference Finals. The host, uh, the Heat host, the Celtics, I should say, mm-hmm. presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 8 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations, which means we got to get you set for it. We'll get you set for game one of the Eastern Conference Finals and something else big happening in the NBA tonight. We'll tell you about it next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. 
Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. If you are just tuning in, you are late to the party, and shame on you. Don't let it happen again, because we're short today. It's a power hour yeah. of Spain and Fitz. We've only got over. a few more minutes Chug. left to get to Catch get up. you guys ready. Well, you know, it's it's a it's a high energy, uh, lower you know lower duration show, but it's still. We've got a lot to get to, Sarah, and I think we've done, you know, we're doing a magical job of it. ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. Bundle and protect today under one roof. Learn more at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. We're short because of the Eastern Conference Finals, which start tonight. Obviously, we'll get into that, but that isn't the only NBA story happening, Sarah, as this is the annual time that suddenly we are reminded that uh, there's an NBA draft, and that means there's an NBA draft lottery, and that lottery is taking place tonight. And it feels like a strange year for the lottery because suddenly I'm looking around and I'm thinking for all the lottery changes they've made and for all of the opportunities they're trying to give for more teams that finish poorly to have a chance at turning their franchise around, it feels weird this year because I'm not sure there's a proven franchise turner arounder, if that's a phrase, in this year's draft. Yeah, I mean, we, we talked about this on Around the Horn today and we kind of boiled it down to what what are you most interested in which I think is a more interesting way of looking at this because the teams that are in the lottery for good reason are not going to be immediately changed by any of these players and I don't know that they would be immediately changed by even like the Zions of the world particularly if they're not playing most of the games in a given season but let's say it was a season where there was one of those top players um it would certainly change the conversation around that per- where that person would go, but a lot of the teams at the top are in need of a lot of help and time. The interesting ones to me are the New Orleans Pelicans, who, first of all, just the delicious schadenfreude, if this pick ends up being a very high pick, if it's the number one, for instance, I think they have a 25% of being top five or something as well. It's the Lakers pick that they got in the Anthony Davis deal. So you've got a Lakers team that was trash. Disappointing season all around, and now your pick ends up being a top five, a top one, a top three, whatever it is. That's fascinating to me. Also because the Pelicans are a really interesting team after the C.J. McCollum trade that ended up making the playoffs and looking good and are awaiting Zion Williamson. So add another interesting piece, and you got a really you know win-now team. The other one is Portland because they've got Dame Lillard, and he wants to win there and has said he always wants to win there. And if they get a high pick and can start to add some help – that feels a little better than if they lose the draft lottery, get a low pick, can't add much, and you're looking around wondering exactly how do we plan to make a difference with a team that we've tried a bunch of iterations and finally seem to go with tanking down the stretch for the lottery as our plan. Which is, by the way, it's been a long time since we were in that sort of a mode for the Trailblazers, and you're right. When you have a bona fide star that you're trying to make sure that at some level sees a plan, short-term, long-term, it, it makes nailing these sorts of opportunities particularly important, right? So, right. you know, I, I think you can look at all of that, and, and it affects everything in the draft strategy because to the point that maybe there's different, let's say, different types of stars in this year's draft, most years you can look at who's being picked at the top of the draft and know exactly why that's going to be the guy to build around. If you're the Trailblazers, what's interesting to me is you're not looking for the guy to build around. You're looking for the best complement around the guy you're already built around. So it makes it all a much different strategy uh, for the Trailblazers than it would be for necessarily some of the other teams that we see picking. I think you make a great point about New Orleans, too, because there's always there's just seem ever since Anthony Davis left. And, and this is just going to be the, the new normal for the for the franchise. There's always going to be some conversation about are they doing enough and can they keep the stars mm-hmm. that they have? That's the yep. the strange pressure it's been that way for a long time, actually. 
and and there's no easy solution to it. There's no easy answer to it. It's just this year, you know, most of the time you could look at it to your point with Zion or even John Morant. There was so that year there were so many conversations happening happening about that type of player, DeAndre Ayton, Luka Doncic. Like you can usually look at the first couple of picks and say, yeah. We got a guy. I think it's interesting this year because everybody's going to look at these picks differently, and I'm not sure they have the same value to some that they usually do. Yeah. We'll keep an eye on that. Uh, That is obviously sort of the teaser to the game that's coming up. I think that is on right at 8 o'clock Eastern. Meanwhile, we've got uh, the game one of the Eastern Conference Finals kicking off, and this is a um, a, a really fascinating matchup already, but add into it uh, that you've got two serious players in Horford and Smart that are going to be out for the Celtics. You've got the Celtics off and no rest in a seven-game series with the Bucks that was physically brutal. And then you've got a Heat team that people just haven't been paying as much attention to as they probably should have. A two-seed, I'm sorry, one-seed in the East and uh, have dispatched of previous opponents uh, without as much drama or, or energy required. And Nick Friedel, one of our faves, was on the Sports Center at 6 o'clock today and talked about how like they're well aware of maybe some of the attitude that's heading their way uh, that doesn't give them enough credit. They know how much a lot of people are writing them off. They don't have the star power for Boston. They can't get in front of Tatum and slow him and Jalen Brown down. But this Heat team believes in itself. They love the idea that they're the underdog. They love the idea that all it's going to take is a few more wins to get to the finals. And they know this is the toughest defensive challenge they will face all season. They're ready for it. And the belief is permeating because of Jimmy Butler and the way he's been playing. I mean, isn't the defensive side of the ball for both teams really going to be the story of this series? That's why, you know, to go back to my dabbling that I'm trying in the gaming world, we're seeing an over-under that's substantially lower than we've seen at any other point in the playoffs for this this game because, frankly, there aren't going to be a lot of points scored. And that's why, as we talked about earlier, and for anyone that hasn't seen the news, Al Horford will miss this game. You know, it's interesting that our, our stats and info department that does great work pointed out that Al Horford was one of the 15 best defensive players according to the second spectrum in defensive field goal percentage allowed. So when you are talking about a defensive series and one of the better defenders is out for at least one game, that's going to make a difference in this. But this buckets should not be easy to come by given the way both teams play defensively. Yeah, and I think it's funny. So sometimes on Around the Horn, and it's Spain and Fitz, by the way, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz on a power hour taking you into Eastern Conference Finals Game 1. Around the horn sometimes, they'll try to figure out a way to ask a question just to set up a conversation. So they'll say, what will be more important, the defense or the offense? And I'll say, well, one exists in contrast to the other. So you could either say this series is about the defense on both sides or it's about the offense on both sides and how they react to the defense presented to them. Those things are uh, interchangeable. And that's, I think, why I'm, I'm... interested and fascinated by the choices that they make in terms of who they're going to put on Jimmy Butler, who they're going to put on Tatum, how much switching they're going to do or not. But I'm also interested in which team finds those players who can have a night like Grant Williams in game seven, like Tyler hero. When we see him go off, who's going to be able to look at the defense presented, look at the top to bottom, shut down hand in your face, tough to get a shot up defense and be able to work around it better. And so that's a lot of coaching in addition to players having the smarts to do it. Well, and I also wonder, you know, I've seen so many metrics based on the Eastern Conference Finals in 2020, particularly with Jason Tatum. But what's interesting to me is that Tatum feels like such a different player today than he was then. And he feels like a different player today than he was 
a month ago. I mean, when you talk about, and I think Monica smartly pointed out that it wasn't that long ago that there was a conversation about splitting everybody up in Boston and what was going wrong in Boston. We just, we saw this sort of next level ascension for Jason Tatum in the last series where he just at times looked absolutely unstoppable. I'm curious to see if that was a little bit of momentum against a a good team in the Bucks that carries over, or is that some transcendent moment for him that he carries and it takes and catapults his entire career? Like we saw Devin Booker differently after the playoff run last year. I wonder if that's the run we're watching for Tatum. And if it is, then that's going to be something that the Heat are going to have to account for early and often in this series. Yeah, how much was the matchup? Um, because it wasn't just Brooklyn. It was, I mean, it wasn't just Milwaukee. It was Brooklyn too, right? Um, there were a couple nights that were pedestrian. That that second game with Brooklyn, he had 19. He had 21 um, in the first game against Milwaukee. So, you know, this is, I guess it wasn't the second game, but it was early with Brooklyn. Oh, yeah, because that was a sweep. Man, that feels like forever ago. Right. Um but then you look down the stretch of, of, of the team, the games against Milwaukee and what he was able to do. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think you're right. You, you are either on the precipice of proving to all of us that you're one of the future greats who's going to you know, take the league under your wing like the KDs and LeBrons and such from before, um, or you're going to be someone that's a really great player who can – truly go off and then have off nights where you disappear and where people are wondering where you went. And that's a precarious position to be in because there is a lot of expectation once you have enough games in a row where you're the guy. Yeah, well, an expectation, I think, is such a, a key part of the way we view Boston today, right? Like, you and I talk all the time about why context matters and historical conversations around different sports stories, but it's funny that context matters even within the course of this one postseason, but we're not going to see that from Boston fans, right? Like, you you see this moment now where they're riding high, they just took out the Bucks. Uh, there's going to be a, a heavy dose of expectation, I would think, from Boston fans that they'll go out and dismantle the heat, which comes back to the blatant disrespect that we've all given the heat throughout much of the year. Although I can't decide, Sarah, are they not talked about or are we talking about the fact that they're not talked about, which makes them talked about? Uh, that's one of your specialties is I want to talk about the thing that no one's talking about, but everyone's talking about how they're not being talked about. Um, I think that, yes, to be fair, they've been underestimated. I think it's a little bit late now that they're in the Eastern Conference Finals to really buy that people haven't figured out that the Heat are something to deal with. Agreed. Heat Celtics coming up next. Thanks for hanging out with us as always. We'll be here all week getting you caught up for all of the action in the NBA. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.